listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Church, you may be seated. So this morning, we are going to begin a brand new series, and it is an incredible letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young man, Timothy. And so last week, we closed up our Life of David series with David's famous last words. Well, today, it's really a lot like that for Paul. This is the last letter that we know that Paul wrote. It's around 66, maybe 67 AD, a few years before Nero will burn Jerusalem to the ground and blame the Jews. And so Paul wrote three letters to individual, uh, we'll call them pastors, we call them the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. And so First Timothy is a great letter for the church. It's things like uh, how to maintain the right order. The younger people looking to the older people for discipleship and how to grow as a church. It's about elders and deacons. In fact, we're about to begin that series. And it's one of the books that we go to to talk about what are the qualifications for deacons and elders. It talks about guarding against false teachers. And so First Timothy is like the instructions... For the church. Well, 2 Timothy is very, very different. Uh, 2 Timothy is where Paul is writing to young Timothy who's back in Ephesus. And he is trying to lead a church in a very, very difficult time. Paul's in Rome. He's in prison now for the second time. But his first imprisonment was under house arrest. So people could come. They could visit. It was the most comfortable he could be with being imprisoned. But Paul is back in prison now in a very difficult time. He's in one of their what you would call dungeons. This stone room with a hole in the roof for light and air to come in. But Paul knows he's awaiting his trial. And as we're going to read through this letter, you'll realize that Paul's not expecting to get out this time. Paul believes this is his last chance Probably will not make it to Spain. Coming to the end of his ministry. And Paul knows his death is inevitable. So Paul is going to write a very heartfelt, um, difficult letter to his friend Timothy. So if you will, let's find 2 Timothy. It's in moving now to the New Testament. We'll begin looking through chapter 1. Today, But today we're going to focus on, if you always trying to go, okay, what is the main idea of the passage? Well, it's six words, and this is how I would say it very clearly in the scriptures. It's fan the flame of God's gift. And we're going to talk about what that is, how do we do it today. But as I'm thinking about fan the flame of God's gift Man, all I could think about was the movie Cast Away. Talking to Clint this week, I forgot how great of a movie that is. And Do you remember this? He's on the beach. He's got Wilson that he's talking to. It's the, the volleyball. And he's beginning to realize, wait, I, I need fire. 
And he tries everything that he can. He wears blisters on his hands. He even cuts himself. And it's that scene that, man, sweat's dripping off his nose. And he's, he's working that reed. And finally a spark happens, a little amber. And he blows it and the flame happens. And then before long, he's got this bonfire going. He's yelling, you know, whoever's around, Wilson, you know, I have been fire. And that's what he's going to talk about. How do we take this thing? And how do we fan the flame of God's gift? And as you watch that movie, you realize that, man, this is really the most important thing to his survival. And you remember that horrible scene where he takes the ice skate on his tooth that's, you know, infected and hits it with a rock and he knocks himself out. Well, when he wakes up, his first thought is, did the fire go out? And he knows if he doesn't keep feeding that fire, all of a sudden it will turn to ashes. And so this is Paul. He's writing to young Timothy. We're going to look at it. It is a very difficult time. And he says to him, Timothy, fan the flame of God's gift. So we'll see it beginning in verse 1 today. Let's get our greeting. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So even though Paul is not one of the original twelve, He received a specific calling from Jesus on the road to Damascus to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Though outside God's family, Paul, take them the truth. And then he says, by the will of God. Paul is saying, I'm an apostle, and this is because of God's plan. This isn't something that I set out to do on my own. My authority is coming from God. He says, according This is the purpose behind what I do according to the promise of life. It's another way of talking about the gospel. And Paul knows that his life is because of the gospel and because of what Jesus Christ has done. In fact, that's why Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, a verse many of you know, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. But thinking about this, these guys know each other. Why would Paul go to all this detail of describing himself to Timothy? It'd be like me sending Adam an email saying, Hey, Adam, it's Mark, husband of Marla, father of Kylie, Ophie and Marcus, you know, campus pastor of Bethel Bible Church. You know, duck hunting attic. I mean, he, he's like, I know who you are. So why would he do this? It's because Paul's got a greater purpose. He's writing to his special friend, Timothy. But it's also meant for the church at large, the church in Ephesus. So then we see who he's writing to. He says, verse 2, to Timothy, my beloved child. And that's how Paul, that's how he sees young Timothy. And these two guys, they could not be any different. I mean, you've got Paul. He's experienced. He's tough. He knows his nose is probably crooked. I don't know. That's how I imagine him. Short, squatty, strong. He's lion-hearted. I mean, he's somebody that, you know, you don't mess with Paul. He's courageous. He's not afraid of anything. 30 years of gospel ministry 
of going through. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's planted churches. He's raised up leaders. Well, then there's Timothy. He's inexperienced. He's young. He's timid. He's even shy by nature. And he's got a a physical ailment with his stomach that he can't overcome. So these two guys could not be any different. But you see them as the closest of friends. And so he says, my beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God, the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord to you. But despite their differences, Timothy's traveled with Paul on most of his second and his third missionary journeys. And these two are close, almost like a very close father-son relationship. So in verse 3, he says this to him. I thank God whom I serve. So Paul is sitting in a Roman dungeon, not expecting to get out, knowing this is probably it. And he says, I thank God whom I serve, even sitting right here, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you, you, Timothy, I'm thinking of you constantly in my prayers night and day. So Paul's sitting in prison in his mind and his heart, go to Timothy. He's thinking of young Timothy out there as he's sitting in prison. But I'm thinking there's probably not much Paul could be doing. He's in this dungeon, no way of getting out. It's not like they let you out in the yard for exercise. He's sitting in this dungeon. It's all Paul can do, but it's the very best thing he can do. is to spend that time praying for Timothy. Now, Paul's not enjoying prison. But he's thankful for the time to pray. I mean, I thought this week, how convicting. I mean, my, you know, we live busy lives, and it seems that we can often neglect prayer because, I don't know, maybe we think it's a waste of time or we're just too busy. But here is Paul sitting in prison, and he is thankful for this time that he can pray for him. Notice the... The passion, the, the, uh, the care he has for Timothy in verse 4. He says, I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And so Paul is thinking, he says, Timothy, I want you to come see me. I remember the last time we were there. Man, remember how the tears that were shed because we didn't know if we'd ever see each other again. And as different as these two men are, they are close. Paul's in this dungeon. He's cold because he's going to ask for them to bring his coat. He's alone. We're going to see he feels abandoned. But he thinks of Timothy. And he thinks of Timothy's faith. And, man, he just longs. Man, Timothy, if I could see you again. And then in verse 5, he says, this is what I think of. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure, I am confident, dwells in you as well. So Paul says, Timothy, you are who you are today because of your mother and your grandmother. I thought, how fitting for today. His father is an unbelieving Greek, but it's his mother and his grandmother that modeled 
a life focused on Christ for Timothy. I heard a man this morning preaching, and he stood up, and he, he gave the women seven things they needed to do to go be a better godly mother. Not doing that, have no idea how to do that. But here he is thinking back, Timothy, I, I remember your mother and your grandmother. And man, this has kind of been my life. I had a, a believing grandmother that was married to a man that had no faith. And she faithfully loved him and served him. Man, was dedicated to her church. I remember spending the night with Granny Grew and, man, getting up and going to church with her. Man, my mom, faithful servant. I can't tell you how many mornings that there have been that she would be at the dining room table and I'd get up and go to find breakfast and there was her Bible laid out. And she was one of those very, you know, just quiet and meek, but you knew she loved the Lord. And maybe that's been Timothy's story. These two women, and God used them. And so I would say, mothers, we are, we are so thankful for you. And I know Mother's Day can be a hard day. Many of you are sitting here this morning and maybe it's the first you're without your mother with you. You can't go and visit her. Maybe you haven't had a great relationship with your mother. I remember watching Marla go through those years of wanting and desiring to be a mother, but that not happening. And I can't tell you how many times this week I've read through this passage and thought about, man, do we don't take enough to even say thank you that, to honor our single moms. I don't know how you do it other than by the grace of God. And so to all of you, we are so thankful for you. And we know you're not perfect, but how many times you must feel defeated. Many times you must feel like you have messed things up. But you know what? God is using you in the life of those around you. And so in the next two verses, we get the heart of today's message. And I think the heart of this entire book. And this is where we see this phrase, fan the flame of God's gift. He's writing to Timothy. He loves this young man. He's watched him grow up. And Timothy's in a very difficult spot, and we'll show you why in just a moment. But this is what he says in verse 6 and 7. For this reason, so Paul lays it out. This is why I'm writing, Timothy. I want to remind you to fan into flame or um, to keep ablaze the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So he says, keep this thing burning, Timothy. But what is the gift? What does he mean when he says, fan into flame the gift of God? Because there could be a lot of things that we would see as gifts from God. But the gift in this setting is the gift of the Holy Spirit or the power or the effectiveness that the Holy Spirit brings. And he says, Timothy, it's the Holy Spirit. That is the gift. Keep it burning. That can bring you courage in the face of fear, power where there's weakness, love where there's resentment and hate, self-control in the face of temptation and frustration. Because Timothy's in Ephesus. He's young, he's inexperienced, and people are trying to take advantage of this. False teachers are coming into the church, and they're trying to distort the gospel and to discredit young Timothy. And so he's writing to him, he's young, he's experienced, he's by nature shy. He's not strong and lion-hearted like Paul. 
He's trying to help Timothy to stand up for the truth. And so Paul hears what's going on back in Ephesus. Paul gets that parchment. He grabs that pen. And he says, Timothy, I am confident of your faith. I saw it in your mother and your grandmother. I know it is hard to stand up for truth. But the gospel, he says, cannot be compromised. It's too important. So stand firm, my son. Remember when the elders and I, remember when we gathered you and we laid hands on you? We saw the Spirit moving in you. We believe in the message. And we believe in you. And he says, fan that flame that God gave you. Keep it burning. Rely on the Spirit to give you courage, strength, power, love, and self-control. He's saying, listen, I know I wished I could be there, but I can't. But you have someone better. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And so the next question is, okay, then how does Timothy do that? And it sounds great. Fan that flame. Keep it burning. But how do you do it? And Paul doesn't leave him just to kind of figure this out. He lays it out for him. The first thing he says is rely on the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit is what you need for courage. Timothy needed that. Power. I'm sure he felt powerless. I can't fix this. I can't change this. People are leaving the church. Everywhere I go, they're trying to discredit me. Love. Imagine how hard it is to love people that are trying to spread rumors, trying to discredit you. Self-control. And so Paul says, this is how you fan the flame. That gift of the Holy Spirit that is there, you keep it burning by relying on the Holy Spirit. The second thing he says is in verse 8. He says, Timothy, therefore, don't be ashamed. Don't shrink back from the testimony about our Lord. So you fan the flame by relying on the Holy Spirit. You fan it by not shying away from the gospel, of preaching it, of teaching it, of talking about it to yourself and reminding yourself what Christ has done. And he says, when you begin to do that, man, all of a sudden that flame begins to grow. The third thing is the second part of eight. He says, nor to me this prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I think what Paul is saying is that he's saying, Timothy, the more you begin to accept God's will, the more that flame begins to grow. Meaning, hey, no one, no one goes looking to suffer. Paul didn't go looking for bad things to happen to him. He didn't go looking to be stoned. But what happens is when you begin to follow and accept God's will, and it includes suffering, then you would continue to do it no matter what it brings you. So Paul says this. He says, the flame of God's gift to you, Timothy, that I now have, I'm telling you, it is burning like it has never have before. Even though I'm sitting in this prison, waiting for my execution. But because of this state I'm in, I know I'm in the center of God's will. And he will provide what I need to finish this race strong. I would rather suffer than to lose the gospel for myself or anyone else. 
And Paul says, Timothy, fan that flame by relying on the Spirit that it will bring you what you need, whether it's power or courage or self-control or love. And then you remind yourself of what Christ has done over and over and over again. And then you seek God's will over your own and you will find a flame burning like never before. So then Paul is going to take Timothy to some important truths because he knows this is what Timothy needs to hear. And it's in verses 9 through 11. He's reminding Timothy and he says, listen, remember... The power of God who saved us, called us to a holy calling. Not because of our own works, but because of his own pleasure and grace, which he gave to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, in which now he has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. For I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So he lays out three bedrock truths for Timothy. He says, first of all, don't forget, and to all the other believers... He saved us. And that's that idea of, of justification where our sins are forgiven. But the gospel is more than just forgiveness. It begins there, but it is so much more than that. He says he's calling you to a completely different life. And not just to something that's good or important. He said he saved us and he called us to a holy calling. I mean, don't forget, Timothy, God saved you. And then he is calling you to live a life set apart for Christ. And that's what we're seeing. That we know we're saved. Hopefully we do. But then the gospel is so much more than just how to get to heaven. The gospel is more than just forgiveness. The gospel is the power that we need in our finances. In our marriages. In seeking an education. In the relationships that we are in. I've never seen it before, is you realize that you need the gospel in coaching baseball. You need that there. But in everything that we do, he says, the gospel is what you need. And Paul, he beats this drum over and over again. He says, not because of works. He says, don't forget, Christianity is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. It isn't search for that inner strength. Christianity is the power, the wisdom, and the strength that comes outside you. And it is from Jesus Christ who then comes and lives within you. And then he says, so he saved us, he calls us, and he abolished death. Meaning the enemy has been defeated. Death is no longer effective. It has been overcome. And then he says, brought life. And what he's talking about there is the life for the here and now. It's a present tense. And then he says, immortality, a life to come, a life that will never end, an eternal life. So Paul says, Timothy, my son, please don't forget that before the world began, God's plan of salvation and redemption was 
already being worked out for you. And at that perfect moment, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, He came, He saved you from your sins. He removed God's wrath and sin's guilt from you. God then gave you His Spirit that has all the power and strength that you need for life right now. And then set your hope on the life to come, an eternal life with the one that gave Him your Son that made you a part of His family. And so Paul encourages this young Timothy to preach these truths to himself, even when they're hard to believe. He says, don't listen to what others are saying. Trying to discourage you, fight against the lies with these truths. And then he's going to echo those thoughts in verse 13. He says, follow that pattern of sound words, of sound doctrine, of truth that you've heard from me, your grandmother, your mother, and the love that are in Christ Jesus. There it is again. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Guard that deposit that has been entrusted to you. I believe Paul is saying, man, remember, we've spent so many years together. Man, I love you like a son. Man, you remember those talks that we would have sitting around that fire? Remembering the times that Satan tried to discourage us and defeat us and how we saw God move in a powerful way. You remember when they thought I was dead in Lystra and all of a sudden I walked back into the town? And we saw and we experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I think it says, Timothy, it's still here today. Stand firm, my son. Guard that deposit of the gospel that is entrusted to you. I believe in you. The elders believe in you. Stand strong, my son. And then Paul closes out this part of chapter 1 with kind of some reflection. He says, I know you're aware of this, that all who lived in Asia, he says, remember how they started turning away from me? Man, among them, you remember, I never thought it would be Phygelus or Hermogenes. Man, those guys, I thought they had our back. But may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anephorus. And I believe he's thinking, man, you remember him who, who we thought there's no way this guy gets it. There's no way he'll stand behind the gospel. Man, man, hasn't he surprised you? For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. When everyone was deserting me, he stood by me. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly. He came looking for me. And he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day for him. And you know well all the service that he rendered to you in Ephesus. So Paul says, listen, I know there will be people that will turn away. But you know what he says? There will also be those that are faithful. There will be people that will try to discourage you. That will leave you in your time of need. But God will also provide those that will lock arms and stand side by side with you no matter what. And so this morning, I, I hope you feel the, the love and the concern that Paul has for Timothy. I mean, he's watched this young man come to faith and watching the gospel grow inside of him. Watching that timid young man grow but God has brought these two very different men together for an incredible bond. Timothy's facing a hardship. Whether it's his own health, 
for people trying to discredit or shame him or to desert the gospel. He's by nature. He's young. He's inexperienced. He's timid. He's shy by nature. He's not what the world would look at and say, follow him as a leader. He's not your Franklin Covey. Don't go after him. But Timothy, by nature, is this young, shy, timid young man. But God's spirit is there for everything that Timothy needs. And Paul encourages him to fan that flame. The spirit that is within you. And he says this, you do it by relying on the Spirit for what you need. Don't shy away from preaching and teaching and reminding yourself of the gospel, reflecting and talking about what Christ has done. Just think of the life of your mother and your grandmother, even me. And then he says, begin to seek God's will over your own. Don't go looking for suffering. But you know what? Where you are, God has you. Embrace it. And you will see that flame grow like you have never seen before. But here's the greatest thing about this letter. Paul wrote it to this young Timothy. But he also wanted all those in Ephesus to hear, I stand with him. And I stand with him because of the gospel message. But it's also just as relevant for us today. And so maybe, maybe God... Or maybe you want to serve God, but maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel timid, inadequate. I mean, look to this letter as if Paul's writing it to you. Hear Paul say, listen, I know how you feel. Man, I had a young friend named Timothy, and he felt the exact same way. But don't let those feelings rob you from serving the Lord fully. Rely on the Holy Spirit for those things, for the power you need, for the confidence, for the ability And I think Paul says the Holy Spirit can give you all the things that you need for that. Maybe you're the one that feels that strange, inner, I would even say terrifying voice of God prompting you to do something that absolutely terrifies you. You're scared. You're intimidated. I remember having those thoughts. For some, it may be God calling you to a drastic change in your life. And remember just a few weeks ago, Clint and I and the elders and deacons were gathering together for a time, a weekend together. This young deacon stood up and said, I just need to share this. He said, I feel God calling me to something that may be a total life change. And I praise the Lord for that. Now, for some, maybe it's not a total change, but maybe it's just a chance to step out and use the gifts right where you are. It might be a greater responsibility at this church. I don't know. Maybe for some, you feel God calling you to go on a mission trip, lead a small group, or maybe even lead out more in your home. You know, we should probably never feel adequate to do those things. I mean, I'm thinking back over the last couple of years and uh, you know, many are traveling, seeing their moms, but we just finished another great year of youth ministry here. I remember meeting with Chris and Adrian Winfield, and they're going, I, I don't know about this thing called youth. I remember the Rivers, Donnie and Casey, and they're here today. And I've been watching going, I'm not for sure, but okay, we're going to trust God to do something here. 
And I want you to know, man, we outgrew a home and had to move the kids here. And God is moving in the lives of those kids. Coming in a few months, terrifying as it may be, some new life group leaders are being raised up. Some people are going on a mission trip for the very first time. And I would say, listen, church, God is saving, God is calling, and some are saying, yes, Lord. So it would be, take a step of faith. Rely on the Spirit of God to do something that you could never do on your own. And this morning, I encourage you to think about this. To fan the flame of God's gift. Because I think many, many things in our lives, we can get to the place where they come very natural. Things almost become easy. And it doesn't take long for us to get comfortable and to trust in our own power. And I would say even take those moments. Take those moments to even rely on God's Spirit. Maybe you've got to make a sales call this week. And maybe you've made hundreds of them. But to stop and think, Lord, I want to rely on you even in this moment. Give me the words, not just to make a sale, but Lord, you may give me the words that I need to say to this person because maybe they're going through something. Maybe it's simply as going to the grocery store. Going, God, give me the wisdom to make good choices. Maybe, maybe it's working in your kid's school and maybe you're faithful to do that, but to stop in that car and say, God, I'm going to go into this school. And Lord, I want to be led by your spirit Give me the words to say. Help me to be what I need to be in that moment. Going on that field trip. Coaching that ball team. Maybe you're getting ready for a family trip. But even in those ordinary moments to stop and to ask God's Spirit for help. But then I would ask, lastly, is what in your life, what in your life is causing you to rely on God's do you have something that makes you feel uncomfortable and causes you to look beyond your own natural abilities? If not, I would say you need something. You need something that will cause you to fan that flame to rely on God. And I don't know what that might be, but we all need to be reminded about how important it is to fan the flame of God's gift. Because even in that silly little movie of Castaway, because here's what we see. An unintended fire eventually turns to ashes. Now, you're a believer. The Holy Spirit will never leave you, but you can quench it. And you can begin to lose that effectiveness that God wants to be there. But when you fan that flame and you step out on faith and you do something you feel is so far outside of your ability... No matter how inadequate you feel, you trust in the Holy Spirit, then it will be there with all the power and love and self-control that you may need. And you will begin to experience the power of the Holy Spirit living in you when we fan the flame of God's gift. So we do it by relying on the Spirit. We do that by teaching and preaching the gospel truths to ourselves. And then begin to seek God's will above our own. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. 
Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.